It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. Welcome to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis on a, well, it's 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 a Sunday at the end of a five-day week. It feels like ages since we've had a five-day week, so well done for getting through that. Bad news, another five-day week ahead. Show number 162 in the series. Very happy to have you here tonight. As always, text me 3920. And if you are on Twitter, and if you're not, this is a reason to get on, just so you can talk to me. Tweet me at Vaughan Davis. Later on, Mr. Paul Brislin returns to the Sunday Social Chair with public transport perils and why you can bin your keyboard forever. First, though... turn on our computers, phones or even smart light bulbs and wham bam we're connected to the world. But there's a lot going on under the hood both technically and in the way everything is organised. And it's that second part where a crowd called Internet NZ comes in. Internet NZ Chief Executive Jordan Carter joins me now. Welcome to the show. Thanks Juan. Well, good to be here. Thank you. What you can't welcome me. It's my show. What what, what is what is? Or well, you might you might just be very welcoming. What <laughs> what is what is Internet New Zealand? Because most people will never have heard of you. Sorry yeah. to say. No, that's all right. Um, it's a membership organisation uh, set up twenty years or so ago to be a voice for the open internet in New Zealand and to be the guardian of a key bit of infrastructure for New Zealand, which is the domain name system or so, the .nz domains. So let's crack that into two parts. So the the, the the advocate for an open internet. What does mm. that mean? Um, well, in practical terms, what it means is that if you are a web developer or an application developer and you want to try something new, you don't need to get anyone's permission. You don't need to get a regulator to say, yep, that service is all right. You don't need to get the permission of the company running the actual network. So you don't need to go to Chorus or Vodafone or uh, Spark and say, please, sir, can I use your internets for the thing that I've invented? You don't need to do that. It's open, it's free, it has an open and uh, neutral layer of technical protocols to let anyone produce and distribute the content that they make. So that's what we mean by open. Uh, it's a huge engine of innovation and change. It can be very disruptive. It can be uh, a bit of a wild west at times is how it's sometimes been described. Um, but it's one of the key changes that we've seen technology-wise in the last 30 years and it's having a huge impact on pretty much everything. I guess it's a measure of perhaps Internet NZ's success that everything you just described then in terms of, hey, I've got something I want to put on the Internet, I just put it on the Internet. Um, that just sort of seems really natural to me. Is is it not as easy as that? Has it taken some work for that to be the case? 
Um, I think it's the way the network was designed by the pioneers in the 60s and 70s, and that was maintained by a huge global cooperative effort. So we run a tiny slice of this in New Zealand, but all of the technical standards and the ways of doing business are developed through open global standard-setting bodies. And so our part of that has been to defend it in New Zealand settings where sometimes policymakers have gone, ah, we could fix this problem by controlling the internet like X. We, we, so we, should, been, we should probably back up a little bit mm. for, the, for, for the listeners and maybe go a bit, bit, bit high level on how the internet actually works. And I don't mean how the, the computers are connected to the servers, are connected to the routers and the wires and the cables and things. Mm. I mean the idea that, you know, unlike uh, a Spark network or a Vodafone network or a Two Degrees network, the actual idea of the internet worldwide is... is not really controlled by a company. Well, it's not controlled by a company, and mm-hmm. it's not controlled by any government, is it? Mm. Because what it is, it's easiest to think about it as a patchwork of networks. The internet is the network of networks. It's a neutral communications layer that lets different kinds of computers, different countries' telco systems all present the same face to the traffic that's going over it. So that's the idea. It doesn't have to be the same everywhere. It doesn't have to be coordinated by one organisation or one government or one technical body. As long as people are opting into using the same standards and recognising the same sort of roadmaps, uh, anyone can join the network, anyone can make use of it. And, and, and how do you coordinate all this? I mean, uh, are you? I've got, I've got for some reason, I guess, because you know, Rogue One just came out. <laughs> uh, I've got I've got a, an image in my head of the Jedi Council with all you guys uh, and girls beaming in holographically, and, and you know, making decisions and, and and taking votes and forming splinter factions and things. There must be a lot of international cooperation for this to happen, right? There are some global bodies that do this. Yeah, there's a global organisation called ICANN, which stands for the Internet Corporation for Assigned Name and numbers. Oh, that's boring. And and it's a global forum that is less exciting than the Jedi Council, I have to tell you, and there isn't much holograms, uh, but there are you'd face-to-face think there would meetings. Be. You, you'd think of, of any global organisation, the one that runs a chunk of the internet, would have holograms. You would hope so. But and then you, find, you have business class. And then you find that just like every other industry, it's the face-to-face stuff where the hard decisions get made, right? We can see the whites of their eyes, so to speak. So um, that does do a global coordination uh, role. And there are big regional organizations called regional internet registries who deal with the numbering side of things as well. Yeah, so let's get on to that because that was the second the second half of this. So the first half was sort of maintaining and defending a free and open internet. And the second half was domain name registration. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've got I've got the, the most awesome domain in the world, VaughnDavis.com. Um What's to stop anyone else going, you know what? I'm going to have VaughnDavis.com as well. Instead, screw Vaughn Davis. I'm going to have it. Uh, well, what stops it is the fact that the DNS has unique lists. So we don't know names. what a DNS is. It's a domain name system. Sorry, yes. This is a world of acronymitis. Um, and so there's one list of .com domain names. And if you've got VaughnDavis.com, presumably you've got the, the rights to use that. No one can take you to court and get it snatched off you. Uh, it's yours as long as you keep paying the fee. And if, if I wanted VaughnDavis.co.nz, which I think is just a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. suburban for me, mm-hmm. um, that's where you guys come in, right? That's that's part of your, your remit, looking after that stuff. Yeah, so InternetNZ runs the .NZ system. So any name with .NZ is operated by um, a subsidiary company of ours, uh, and we designed through another company the policy framework, the rights of companies to come along and offer registrations to the public. And if things go wrong, if there's a business problem or the technology has uh, made a mistake, we sort it out. So 
.co.nz.org.nz.gov.nz mm-hmm. or whatever it is. They've been around for a long time. This this .kiwi thing just popped up recently. What's that? Is that, is that like the uh, the competition? Dot Kiwi is competition, yeah. Um, that ICANN thing that we referred to before has uh, opened up the bottom level, the top level of the internet. Say so you can't just have country co- codes and .com or .net. You can have .kiwi, .pink, .brand, .amazon, .whatever you think. They've added another thousand of those domain names in the last few years at least. And .kiwi is one of those. So they are another option for New Zealanders. The policies that they have to implement are set by ICANN, not domestically in New Zealand. Um, but it's another choice, along with a huge explosion in the number of choices people have. So my URLs, my my, my addresses on the internet that I that I have, um, you know, in, including tgf.co.nz. That's my little ad agency, TGF. Mm-hmm. Every year I pay a little bit of money to someone I don't know who domains or someone I don't know. Yep. Uh, a little bit of money. Do you get some of that? Yes. I, don't, I don't mean you personally. Oh. I mean I mean you, Internet NZ. Does some of that go into, go into your coffers? Yeah, so the wholesale uh, domain registry fee for a .nz name is $15 a year, and that comes into our the company that runs the system for us. Um, and we get a share of that to do the public good work that we do. So that, that's that's what you could call a, a river of gold. They would have called it in the old advertising days. What, what do you do? What do you do with this money? You know, where, where, do you, where do you spend it? So... Roughly two-thirds, 60% goes on the operation of the system. So make sure the technology is working, make sure that disputes are solved, that the policy framework is in place. So the bit I'm responsible for does the other 40%. And we do a range of things. We do some policy work on open internet stuff. So whether it's copyright law, broadband policy, we talk to government, we talk to the industry, we try and make sure that the thing stays open. Uh, we have a grants program and some partnerships with other organizations that are aligned with our, our view of how the internet could be. So people like NetSafe, for example, we've been a long-term funder of theirs. Uh, and we've got a partnership with um, AUT to do the World Internet Project Survey, which is a longitudinal study of internet use. Um, we uh, run a series of events. This year we did a speaker series uh, sorry, last year we did a speaker series event and we've also done uh, a big gig called NetHui, which is an annual chance for you to come together and talk about internet issues. And, and that's, that's a conference that mostly geeks go to, but anyone can go to, right? Anyone can register to NetHui that has an interest in the topics and just rock up, sit down and talk. Not only that, they can also help decide what's on the agenda because it's a pretty open space to talk about not just the tech. It's it's not aimed really at techies. It's aimed at the people who use the internet and want to make it a better place. Which is, which is as we'll discuss in, in some detail in the second half, uh, which is, you know, 93% of all New Zealanders. So talking about those grants, so I, I was lucky enough a couple of years ago to be the recipient of one of those with a, a project I was doing um, that required me to travel to Facebook. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about the grants program and where the money typically goes and what sort of projects. And, you know, people might be listening. They might go, whoa, you know, this this could be a bit of me. They might, yeah. Um, We've got two strands of um, main strands of grant funding. One is for internet projects, so innovative uses of the internet, showing off a new technology or a new uh, service approach. That's one. Typically that opens for um, interest expressions in June each year. And the second one is a research one, so trying to do some more research into the internet itself or the impact that it's having on society, the economy, and so on. That typically opens in December. Um, and then associated with each of those is a little bit of money for people to attend conferences uh, so that they can go share a New Zealand perspective and report back to the local community on what's happened there. Ah, I must, I must, I must have been the third one because I didn't sound like the first two. So yeah. if, if people want to find out about these these grants or Internet NZ in, in general, what's the, uh, what's the website? The simplest way is to go to the website, internetnz.nz.
internetnz.nz. Talking with Jordan Carter from uh, Internet NZ. I'm Vaughan Davis. Back soon. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm here with the man who pretty much single-handedly runs the internet in New Zealand. God knows what uh, how it's doing in the half hour he's been with me, but uh, Jordan Carter, welcome back. Thank you. You and Internet NZ in general just um, completed a fairly chunky round of um, a round of research late last year about how New Zealanders use the internet. And I was having a bit of a read through it. It's pretty interesting. The, the number one thing that came out of that for me, the number one concern that people said they had about the internet was privacy. Yeah, uh, and that's not entirely surprising given some of the news in recent months about various privacy breaches or technology breaches. I think people have moved away a bit from the old idea that everything you might have said on the internet was private. Um, it's a pretty open system. Was, was, there ever, was that ever a, a thing? Did people ever believe that? Well, I can only base it on uh, things that even friends and family have told me about things that they send on the internet or the idea that they would send something deeply confidential in an email to each other. Or, or indeed that they're outraged they put something on, on their Facebook page and next thing you know it's in the newspaper. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a general rule of thumb that if anything is deeply secret to you, um, the internet isn't quite the place to put it. Um, so there is a, was a layer of concern that was there, and I think if memory serves, there was around 28, 30% of people who raised that as a concern. Um, and it's a real one, and I think the companies that provide internet services have a real responsibility to make sure that they've got easy-to-use and understand privacy settings, and that when they have breaches to their systems, they tell their punters about it and sort the problem out. Um, but I think the offset of that, too, is that the same survey indicates that something like 89% of people think that the benefits of the internet outweigh the risks. And while privacy is a concern, and it's one that we're hoping to do some more work on, uh, it doesn't outweigh the gains that people get from using these services. You said that the companies providing the services, the, uh, you know, the internet service providers, your, your, your Spark, your Vodafone, your so on, uh, have some responsibility. Hmm. But that, that only goes so far. What, what about our end of the deal? You know, we kind of touched on the naivety of people posting stuff and thinking that it's secret. What can, what can we do? What, what can, can people listening at home do? What are some simple steps they can take to keep themselves safe on the internet? Uh, I guess one of the first pieces of advice would be just pay, to, pay attention to what you're doing. You know, if someone randomly emails you who you don't know and sends you a link to something... Or, or, or sends you a, thing, a, a Facebook message saying, hey, you're in this video link. Yeah. That, so it just seems to be going around at the moment. A bit of caution is what people can do. And if they're looking for a, a good list of tips, NetSafe has got a website with a few... Uh, basic primers on safe online behaviour. They're on netsafe.org.nz, and that's worth a look. Um, but it's applying a precautionary principle to something that quite a lot of people using the internet didn't grow up with, didn't no, learn about no. at school, and so it's a new tech that's come along, and it's not entirely surprising that people uh, make the odd mistake. Do you, do you think old people are more concerned about privacy or young people? Do, or do young people just not care? Do they assume that, you know, that by, by the time they're 19, there'll be a picture of their genitalia on the internet somewhere? Um, I, I would need to go back and read the study to see if there were detailed reporting differences in those age groups. Um, but I think the thing is that people describe the same concepts in a different way. Um, 
you know, the the young people that well, I've I only said genitalia because it's the radio. I describe that, <laughs> I, I describe that con- concept in a very different way. If we were private, yeah. I think people use uh, these services in different ways um, from different age groups, depending on what their norms and circumstances are and what the expectations of their peers are as well. Uh, but it doesn't mean that privacy is dead. I think people still have a sense that they want to control what's said about them, what they say about themselves, and control the distribution of content about them, especially if it's um, of a sort of personal nature. I mean, we, we, we're, given, we're given the means to keep our stuff private. And, you know, if you go onto Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, you can, you know, you can lock down your account. But it's, it's, it's my experience that no one ever does. They just kind of leave things at the default. It'd be, mm. it'd be interesting to see the numbers about that, but that's my perception. That would probably be something that we would look to possibly explore in the next round of the survey because we're going to do this annually and we'll have some baseline numbers we do from year to year, but we'll probably zoom in on a few areas. And it is something that is interesting because, of course, if people have got their stuff locked down, you don't see it. I don't see it. We wouldn't know well, that the accounts true. are there. That's true. That, that, that's a very good point. Sort of, you know, you, You're right. You're absolutely right. Have you ever been... Have you ever been compromised yourself? I'm guessing, you know, you run Internet NZ, you've got a big target on your back. Everyone wants to take you down. Hack Jordan. Surely. Um, uh, well, I, I would. I want to become a hacker just to take you down. <laughs> uh, well, not as far as I know, um, but that doesn't mean it's never happened. Same. Right? No, same. I haven't um, either. I hope not. I mean, you know, I, I, what has started to happen more recently is um, emails that are alleged to have come from me uh, to, you know, the, the odd sort of, um, I'm, I'm away and I need $10,000, please send yes. it immediately yes. type thing. Um, I haven't you, been the victim you're, you're of a, a crypto no- locker one yet, so that's helpful. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, it'll happen. We've sometime. done okay. We've done okay mm. to get this far and, and not have that happen. Hey, another, another thing in the survey that, uh, Internet NZ did of, uh, New Zealand internet use, 93% of households have internet access. Woohoo, that's great. Mm. But that means 7% of households, so there were 280,000 people, right? Mm-hmm. More or less, uh, do not. So there's an issue here, right, for government and, and, and business. Yep. In, in terms of there's, there's a move for all, all, all of these services to move to the internet because they're you know, cheap to provide. Do you see this being a real issue for, for government and business in the next 10 years? Yes, yes, I do, for a couple of reasons. First of all, we've invested a lot on improving broadband infrastructure as a country. You know, the great um, ultra-fast broadband and rural broadband programs that um, the government has overseen in the last eight years or so have been major improvements to connectivity. And so we are down to that relatively small number of households compared to the whole population, but it's still a significant chunk in absolute terms, right? And so... We need to get through the fact that the technology is accessible in a physical sense, you know, people could probably get online, to making sure that it is affordable. And there's work to do in better understanding what the drivers of those divides are. I think in some cases there'll be people who are just choosing not to have connectivity. There'll be people who have, um, through their mobile phones, got access to as much internet as they want but don't necessarily think of it as the internet. Uh, and there's, you know, Spark has done a bit of work recently in providing some affordable um, 4G static broadband where people don't need cables connected to their house. So, so wireless through the, yeah. the cell phone network, basically. Because I guess the, the paradox is that 
the people who, especially on the government side, the people who will engage most and most desperately with government services are, are likely to be in that seven percent group of people who don't have good internet access. Mm. And so, there's, so there's something, there's a, there's a, there's a job of, of, of work to do there. Well, not only that, and if there's a trend of more and more people using online access, at some point the government can save money by pushing more people into that mode and less people talking on the phone or whatever. So I think that there needs to be some, you know, it might be a, an area that uh, lends itself to the government's social investment approach. Well, that we. We spend the money we save on shutting call centres down and invest it into, you know, free or cheap internet for lower socio exactly. people, maybe. Now, the, 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 one, the, one figure, the one figure in this study that Internet NZ uh, did last year that kind of jumped out at me, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, the question, do the benefits outweigh the negatives? And most people said, yep, of course they do. In fact, everyone said, yes, of course they do at all demographics. But the group that scored highest on answering no no, the benefits do not outweigh the negatives, mm-hmm. really surprised me. It was the under 30s, the under 30s, 13% of them, and mm. it was way out of whack with everyone else. The youngest people in your survey were the, the least likely to say that the benefits outweighed the negatives. Did, mm. that, uh, did that jump out at you as well? Um, it surprised me a little bit, yeah, and that's one of the reasons I think that that behaviour and interests of younger uh, users might, or non-users, might be the, the focus for next year's study, this year's study. Because in the end, um, you know, there are lots of benefits here. People have concerns. And I think that 13% compared to maybe an average across the population of 9% being concerned, it's significant, but it, it still isn't a high level overall. It's it, like it half caught, of young people. It caught people. my eye. It caught my eye. Yeah. It's the, mainly because it was the opposite of what I would have expected. Hmm. It's the opposite of a lot of the use pattern, right? So we've seen young people at the height of the, the use wave. Um, and at the same time, the concerns are there. And it may be that it's digital native sort of experience with this stuff means that they have thought about it or been aware more, of concerns More likely for to have had a bad Tinder date. Possibly, Possibly. yeah. Maybe, maybe there were that, that kind of experience. People, you know, it seems to me that the younger people are, the less time they've been in this internet world, uh, the more likely they are to use a wider range of services. And that may have more of an impact. But I'm just speculating. We haven't done the research to really answer that question. I'd like to do it. We're raising lots of good questions for 2017. Hey, mm. looking back on 2016 and the internet, I mean, there are lots of issues. There are lots of issues. But the, the one that seemed to intersect media and intersect politics and intersect daily life is this idea of veracity and truthfulness and fake news. Mm. You know, the, don't believe, you know, what's the saying from ages ago, um, um, you know, on, on the internet, no one knows you're a dog. But the, the, I guess the, 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 the saying last year would have been on, on the internet, no one knows whether or not it's true. Has, is, is, is that a problem that's occupied you as, as um, you know, boss of Internet NZ in 2016? It hasn't occupied me in that role. It's occupied me a bit as a citizen, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, I think that, you know, t- kids at school learning how to be critical about the content that they see on the internet, just as they are with other media, and seeing, you know, taking account of where the sources are and what's coming through is important when you see a constant deluge coming through feeds on whatever service people use, where if you just took it all at face value, uh, you could end up very confused. Uh, and so I think that individuals have a bit of a due diligence. I think it would be a real problem if we started asking platform providers to make those decisions for us. Well, there was, there was a, um, where is it? Was it Germany? Germany uh, threatening at the weekend to take Facebook to court over sharing fake news, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and you can see the consumer benefit of that, but of course it goes very much against your position of a free and open internet, right? You should be free to tell lies and free to tell the truth. 
Uh, I think that people are, and they'll always find ways to to tell lies or spread smears, uh, whatever the technology is that's involved. But I think the key thing to remember here is that it's about, you know, individual services can do whatever it is they like. I think people like Facebook and Google have an outsized role because of their scale, because Mm, of the mm. fact that so many people use them. It starts feeling a bit more like a, a public utility and less like a private service. And so I think they'll be having discussions with other countries about it, but the one thing I wouldn't want to see is a like a truth meter or a, a sort of green tick but this, or a red is, cross. This, is, this is exactly what Facebook's putting in. This is this is one of the um, means by which you you can report a post now. You know you can you used to be able to report a post for being uh, abusive or spammy or whatever, and now you can report it for being fake news. So that's exactly what's coming in. Mm, I, haven't green, seen, I haven't spotted that one yet. Oh, it's, hot, but, it's hot news, Jordan. Yeah. It's hot news. Hey, um, Jordan Carter, Chief Executive of Internet NZ, where you could uh, go to internetnz.nz to find out more. Thank you so much for joining me on Sunday Social. Thank you. You can listen back to that interview with Jordan Carter from Internet NZ at radiolive.co.nz under Shows and Sunday Social. And, of course, if you're a podcast listener, you can go to iTunes and just uh, just search Sunday Social, Vaughan Davis, any of those things, and uh, and you'll be in luck. Hey, after the break, Mr. Paul Brislin with some scary news for anyone who's free and loose with their Gmail. And I've, I've got a bit of a download on a whole new way to connect to the internet. Back soon. Sunday Social. Welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis, and joining me in the heart, in the heart of the News Hub, once again, Sunday Social regular, Mr. Paul Brislin. Welcome, Paul. Hello, how are you? Five-day week, how did oh, it treat you? Oh, it was awful. I've just been on holiday, so it was even worse. Oh, the contrast. Oh, the it contrast. It was a shock to the system, Vaughan. And, and, and we've only just gotten over um, over daylight saving. I, I always say that uh, daylight saving is like jet lag without the duty-free, although you've been overseas, so you've so got the duty-free as well. I did get the duty-free whiskey, so I was, I'll, uh, I'll show you that later on. I was listening for the clink clink of, of the bottles in your bag as you yeah. came in, but uh, <laughs> I, I didn't hear... You must have got it wrapped, wrapped yeah, safely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, safely, safely stowed away. Although at the airport these days... A robot gets you duty-free for you. Have you seen that? I've heard about it. The I've heard about it. Cool. My, my mother, my mother, who I know is a regular listener to the show, she told me all about it. She was very impressed with the robot. It's startling. It's like an industrial-size car-building robot in its spare time that goes, hang on, I'll just grab that bag for you, and and whiz, 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 and, and off it and, goes. And, 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 and do you think it, it, it's practical and it's there to replace a human, or is it just a bit of a, a, a technology show of force? Absolutely not. No, it's just there. It's just marketing. Marvellous. It's fabulous. You know what? I'm going to go overseas especially so Just I can buy some can buy overpriced some. discounted alcohol and possibly <laughs> some of that triangular chocolate which is mostly air these days mm. just so I can have it packed in my bag by a robot. Hey, speaking of robots and speaking of uh, technology and speaking of scary things, yes. well, you came back, of course, to the news that uh, there has been a spear phishing attack on oh, yes. Gmail users. Mm. Now, I, I know about these things. I know about phishing, <clears throat> PH phishing. PH phishing. Um, but I had never heard of spear phishing until uh, until this came out. So tell me what tell me firstly what spear phishing is, yeah. and then tell me what happened. Well, if we go back an even further step, phishing, of course, is hey, uh, give me all your details, and I'll uh, I'll add you to my secret list and spam you for the rest of your life. So it's tricking you into it logging is, into it's something, conning into conning you into doing it. Spear phishing is much more targeted. 
uh, and uh, hence the term spearfishing. You can imagine a man standing on a rock with a with a spear or trying a to woman. skewer things. No, I'm imagining a man in okay. speedos, and you know that's no, just the way I roll. So that's I'm imagining a woman here. with a spear with a with a fishing spear and doing that flick the hair thing with oh, the sun with, behind. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, that works too. That works. Yeah, no, I can I can get behind that. So um, uh, spearfishing is exactly that. It, we will target our uh, our nefarious attack and come after people individually uh, and on a on a far more um, direct basis. So what's happened in this case is that uh, do you use Google Docs? You're a, you're oh, a I, I do. I, I do use buddy. Google Docs. Yes. I do. That, that's when you get sick, and instead of going to the actual doc, you, you just use you the just Google use Doc. Doctor Google. No, that's Doctor oh, Google. That's the other thing. way. Around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google Docs are this fantastic uh, idea, and anybody who's got kids in school will have seen them doing this, where multiple people can access the same document at the same time and make all the edits and changes and cuts to it as as yep. on the fly. Use a lot lovely. of schools. Use a lot yeah. of businesses. And I'm I'm a big fan of it, having tried to cope with. Um, uh, 15 different people editing a document and then sending it back to me via email so that I can compound it all. This is so, a much so, better So, way so some it. nasty bastards have been attacking us yes, using they've, Google they've Docs as a hook. Uh, that's right. They've sent this uh, this email out saying, hey, uh, I've got a Google Doc for you to edit. Uh, and it looks like it's come from somebody you know because it has come from somebody you know. It's, it's infected them and they've then passed it on to you. Ah. So you open up the document and you click on the link that... You open up the email, click on the link that's contained in the email and suddenly you're infected as well. All your addresses are uh, then emailed the same thing. Somebody is going out collecting email addresses for future use. And unfortunately, as fast as Google reacted, and they did react really quite quickly to this, uh, millions of email addresses have been harvested already and uh, will be paying for years to come. So what's your advice? Um, get off the internet, throw, it, uh, throw the computer in the bin and just don't go back. Um, but that's probably not practical. And no. certainly not on a social media show. So at this stage, if you haven't received the, uh, the uh, an email from someone lately with a Google Doc link in it, don't worry about it. It's not coming to you. Um, it's been cleaned up. Uh, but you do. Ha- uh, there's really no way to prevent this. I get actual Google Docs from people who say, "Please edit this document." So, I, 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 suppose, you know. I suppose. Well, first thing, you're not going to know this has happened to you until your friends all go emailing you and saying. You what have bugger. you done? What have yes. you done? You sent Where me this the thing. of shame. You've, yeah. you've infected me. That's but I, right. I guess um, certainly at the moment when this is de rigueur with the um, you know the the, the nasty bastards mm. who are uh, doing this this attack, if you are sent an email saying, "Hey, here's a Google Doc for you to edit," yeah. you know from Think Paul. Twice. Email Paul back and say, hey, Paul, did you really send me a... Give me a call, you know, yeah, just double-check and say, oh, you know, I'm just being super cautious here, but did you? And when I say no, you can say, thank goodness for that. I listened to Vaughan, he's told me what to do. Have you been Have you been caught with a uh, phishing attack yet, Paul? I, I haven't been caught uh, lately. I have been caught in the past with um, one via social media where I got a direct message from somebody oh, that saying, said, did a, you say this thing about me? Or, or here's a movie with you in it. Exactly. And, and, and it's I, called Paul.move or whatever it is. <laughs> well, I didn't... Obviously, I, I, being in media, of course, I do say things about people, and um, uh, it was beautifully timed. Uh, and I immediately clicked on the link to see what it was that and I had ne- said. Next and thing boom, you know, your digital done. trousers were down. They I've, were. I, I've received uh, a bunch, which you know, in the last week or so, mm. which um, if it were not for one circumstance, I would have opened, and it said, "Please rate your Airbnb experience." And oh. the email was very convincing. Mm. It looked great. The only thing that wasn't right was the from address. So if you, uh, yes. you, know, you sort of Always hover over or pull down, it, yeah. depending on your email program, the only thing is I've never actually stayed in an Airbnb. That so that was it. the clue. That, that was the clue. <laughs> that is but, the giveaway. But they, they assumed that enough people uh, enough people had. Exactly. So let's assume you have been fished or hacked yep. and you've changed your password, which is always the, First the advice. First thing you do is change the password, yep. 
Let's talk about ways to keep your password safe because um, May the 4th, not just Star Wars Day, it's kind of got lost uh, in amongst the is um, Prince Philip dead and uh, is he in fact a Jedi? Is, is, he, is he the Sith Lord? He's the new Doctor Who. He's the new Doctor Who. Um, sort of lost in the dust there was the fact that that was Password Day. Happy Password um, annual, Day. Annual, annual Password Day. Um, and a bunch of people have been jumping on the Password bandwagon, although no one was looking at the bandwagon because <laughs> Prince Philip and Star Wars. Yeah. And they came out with a bunch of rules. And I'm going I'm to hit them um, one at a time. And, and you tell me if you're, you're, you're pretty digitally savvy. You tell me if you actually do them. Okay. Number one, create strong passwords. Yes. Do you? Yes. Do you? Yes. Oh, I, um, I'm basically password with zero for an O. Well, not you far know, off it. Not far off it. Yeah, but the, the, the weirder you can do, and I'm a big fan of past phrases. Yes, so past things phrases. you can remember. Yes, yes. I, I like vanilla ice cream, That's except right. substituting a few things. Chicken okay, dog. Okay, yes. so you're good on bad. Yeah. Uh, number two, this is the tough one, this because one, we sign into killer. a thousand things. Number two, use a different password for each account. Absolutely not. I don't either. No, nobody okay, well, does. There's a way around that. Number three, use a password manager. So this is an app or a program or a website or a service you sign yep. up to that you do actually use one password, but it actually uses different passwords to That's log right. into the things for you. Do you do that? I don't. No, you don't. No, I, I, I don't. Well, I do in some... I do... Google remembers a whole bunch of passwords for me, but well, it's not that's quite good. the same thing. It's not quite the same thing. No. So a guy, Kevin, Kevin Mitnick, um, yep. who is, you know, the uh, Uber quotes the world, world's most famous hacker, he was on uh, the show last year. And, you know, he is a great fan of password managers, so that might be worth looking into. Right. Number four, good. turn on multi-factor authentication. Mm, can't agree more. You've got to do that. Do it any chance it gives you. Just say yes and get on and do it. So what that is yep. is Facebook, for example, if you've got it turned on and you try and log in, to your Facebook account from a new computer and you've got this two-factor authentication turned on, it will send you a text with a code and unless you enter that text, so the two factors are I know my password and, and I have I my have phone. funky code. Yep. Do you know, I, I instead uh, set all these rules aside, mm. uh, whether it's password day or not, and uh, I instead follow the underpants rule. The underpants rule. Are you? Have we spoken about the underpants? We've rule? spoken about the underpants gnomes. I'm well, this sure is not the, the underpants, underpants gnomes. Rule. If if you if you want to know what the underpants gnomes are, very very sort of very much at the heart of tech culture and startup culture, just Google um, underpants gnomes South Park, and you just have and a, don't have, be afraid. Have a look it's at that. Okay comeback. to it, do it that. It is totally okay. But the underpants rules of passwords. This is stuff you can take home. Three words. Well, three, three rules. Words. So three we, we, okay. we, we treat them. We treat our underpants. Yeah. Well, we, we, we treat our underpants very well, but we <laughs> and we should treat our passwords just as like well. So underpants. rule number one. Yep. Don't share them with anyone else. Good for both. Good for I'm both. With that. Yep. Rule number two: change them regularly. Uh, good for underpants. Bad for passwords. Oh, it's not bad for passwords. Oh, I, 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 I'm it's from just the tough. other school. It's just it's tough, tough and it's hard. It is. It is. Uh, rule number three: don't leave them lying around on your desk at work. Or don't stick them to your fridge at home. No. <laughs> that can't be a truer word said for underpants. So that's an easy way to remember it, that's right? That's quite nice. So you can, you, can, you can do all your multi-factor authentication, and indeed you should. But when it comes to passwords, treat them like underpants. Don't share them. Don't leave them lying around in your desk. And for don't goodness sake, stay. for goodness sake, don't don't don't, don't wait till they stink to high health. <laughs> um, of course, maybe you could apply the other um, the other password rule. Um, choose really unusual ones. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's something about turning them inside out every second week. No, you I can't, can't do that with passwords. No, hey, no. are you listening to Radio Live Sunday Social with me uh, tonight, Paul Brislin? I'm Vaughan Davis. Yes, indeed, there are a bazillion apps out there, but most of them are pants, not underpants. That's a password thing. Hey, Paul, you've been spending the entire week looking for good apps, haven't you? I have. I have, and nothing but.
Well, but you've only found bad ones. I've only <laughs> found apps I don't like. So we're we're going to talk. We're going to talk about those in just a minute. But I found an app. I found an app. Well, actually, a guy called Simon Young, who you know, oh, uh, comes Simon on, of the Hat. Simon of the Hat comes on the show now and then. Good man. Um, he was he was posting these photos of himself on Facebook. Not unusual. Um, <laughs> and they were horrible. Well, no, they weren't horrible. What they were, they were odd. And, they were uh, and very what was odd. odd about them? Simon's a lovely man. He, he, he's happy all the time. He smiles. He's he ba- baby Jesus is his homeboy. Yeah. And he was doing this big, toothsome smile. And most New Zealanders, we don't do that. We, no, we, we sort of grimace. I, I kind of do a Rob Muldoon smile. That's as oh, good as I can do. Face. But he was smiling to beat the band. He it was, was. It was like someone someone had had, had given a bag Novocaine. of teeth to chew on. Yeah. And, and he was showing them how, how many he had. Turns out, it was an app and the name of the app is face app so what this app does it's a it's one of these take a selfie do something to it apps and there are a lot of those mm, right you know lots fil- of filters and um, you know snapchat and yeah, instagram yeah, they'll the do, that. do that um there's there's a bunch there's a bunch but this one its secret source is it makes you smile which but with some really bad teeth. Well, they're better than mine. My, well, my teeth are better than those, I've got to say. Really? They, they, I thought these teeth look, were good. I, I thought these teeth, teeth were good. So you download the Face App app. The name of the app is Face App. It's on Android. It's on uh, iOS. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they ran out of ideas. Clearly they they, 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 they put all their effort into making the app work, and they said, what should we call this Face App? Oh, I know. Uh, we'll call we'll it Face call App. Face App. Yep. Take a selfie and select how you want the app to change the selfie. And you can do things like make yourself into a woman, which just which frankly frankly just made me look like my sister. Um, <laughs> horrible. Make it look old. Don't be mean. Make mm. yourself look old, which is interesting. Make yeah. yourself look young, which is which just is like the peeled off 12 layers of skin. Yeah. But the secret sauce, the thing that just makes everyone in the office go, wow, on FaceApp, is it makes you smile. Bing! Suddenly you've got this big American-style beaming. toothy beaming. Toothy. Oh. I've just mm. been to the Beverly Hills dentist smile. I liked it, Paul, because I'm not a smiler. I wish I was. Now I don't have to be. Now you don't have to. I now can you just use the app. You just, you just fake it. Yeah. Fake it with your app. Yeah. Um, I, I know now why most of us don't smile like that, because it's actually a little bit freaky. It is a little bit freaky. It is a little odd. And also, also, you know, we, we hate the world and all those who walk upon well, it. Well, that too. It it's, is it's, a Scottish it's, Do you know it's a condition? It's called workplace misanthropy, WM. I, I suffer from workplace misanthropy, and because this is my <laughs> workplace, I hate you, Paul. And it's not personal. It's, it's just it's just a factor it's, of the It's of just the a condition. It's, it's just, just a condition. Ah, oh, well, fair enough too, ha- I say. Hashtag WM, pray for Vaughan. Yeah. Um, I might hate the world and all those who walk upon it. Mm. You, on the other hand, hate a couple of apps. I, I despise a couple of apps. and Well, I despise one and I have trouble with the other, so um, it's not quite despising. But I, I have been uh, trying to get out of the car and, and trying to do other things. And um, one of the things I tried to do was book a taxi. From, so from, far, so, so good. So far, so normal. And uh, here in Auckland, of course, you've got 300, 3,000 co-op taxis. Very easy phone number to ring. When you're international, though, you think, well, there's got to be a better way of doing it. And we wanted to book a taxi to pick us up at the airport off a flight to take us home. Ah, so you were in another country planning ahead for your your triumphant return home. If I'd planned a little further ahead, I would have remembered that we didn't actually have a house key with either of us, and we would have taken one with us on our holiday, so I wouldn't wouldn't have had to break the window. But that's okay. So uh, download the co-op taxi app, um, fill in all the details, and it is... Horrible! It's an awful experience. It's just why. Plain what does this bad. mean? What, what's a bad it's, app look it's, like? Uh, so a bad app looks like a lot of drop-down menus. Um, what time do you want a taxi? Um, well, I, I don't want it right now, so that confused the app to begin with. I finally forced it to accept that I wanted 
a taxi sometime in the future. There's a little field to drop down to leave notes. And I thought, great, I'll tell them what flight I'm on. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. All so, so far, so good. The notes are all pre-populated. Oh, so you, you get to choose. Um, I have a guide dog and or, will need a special vehicle. Or uh, I, 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 am, I am planning on soiling the taxi, but I please, will bring, I will I bring, bring $200 extra, with me. I will bring me. my extra cash with me. So, so they're all pre-populated. None of them were, I am coming off a flight, here is, here is space. Long story short, you don't like it. Why, do what's wrong like with it. Uber? Why didn't you just use Uber? Uh, well, I have trouble with Uber's um, business policies and philosophies, oh, so just... I, I was being high and mighty. Plus, um, I, uh, having deleted the app off my phone, I then tried to install it on my wife's phone, and the two-factor authentication got in the way because it was sending me a text to a phone I didn't have. Oh, so oh, that oh, will teach oh. me, won't it? Hey, I was very secure, but not very useful. Okay, So, so that one was so, so cop, Zero te- out of ten, so don't bother. Two, yep. two, two thumbs down. You wouldn't give it a high rating if, if it were not. an Uber. Um, but not. you could always catch the bus because there's lots of buses. Well, how about, how about the Auckland Transport, um, public transport? Well, this one's much better, and I uh, they've just launched it, uh, and this one I, I don't despise outright. Um, I despise their website outright because it actually wouldn't let me search. So it says, search here to find what time the next bus is coming, and you search and nothing happens. I mean, it just doesn't generate a page. Nothing right. happens. So that's a slight technical problem. The app is a lot better. It's very clumsy. It's very busy. But you can say, I am here and want to go there and but pinpoint what, what, it on a map. Won't Google Maps do that anyway? Well, it does. That's the problem. So and you're in Google is... Maps. You, and so I'm standing here at um, Radio Live yep. slash TV3. I, I go, okay, I want to go to Cox's Bay. Yep. And it gives me walking options, cycling options, driving options, and public and transport. And does it, with the public transport, does it tell you what number bus and which, which bus well, stop to well, get I to? I don't know, Paul. This is theoretical. Don't I don't That's take the bus. Well, neither do I, but my kid does. So I was trying to sort out uh, when the next bus is due, that kind of thing. For your and shorty. This, yeah, 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 for, for the kid. And this is, this is where it works quite well because uh, you can pinpoint your nearest bus stop and say, That's my home bus stop. And it'll say the next bus is due in 37 seconds. Oh. And so the kid goes, ah, oh, Dad, you'll have to take me. There's no way. And I go, no, if you run, you can get there. So much better app. Uh, it's it's a little clumsy to set up and a little bit um, uh, awkward to use in the first instance, but a thousand times better than the co-op taxis app, which should burn, burn in hell. Magnificent. Hey, I've got a gadget. I've got a gadget You've to talk about gadget. for the next few minutes. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a gadget fan. Yeah. And I was hearing a bit about Google's new. Well, they, they call it a, 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 a wireless speaker, and honestly, they're underselling it. They so are. it's called That's Google it. Home. It looks. It's about the size of a fat beer can. It's got a nicely designed yeah, white yeah, thing yeah. with a speaker grill on the top and some flashing lights. But what it really is is a listening device that. Yeah, I know it sounds awful, doesn't it? Um, yeah. It's it's listening. It's listening. I'll, I'll, I'll talk you through how I use it. I walk into the kitchen. I go, "Okay, Google, will it rain?" And your phone, which is uh, my, connected my, to my the My phone is also doing. My phone's doing the same thing in the studio, but it, it says it won't rain today. It, oh, Ooh, it's got a really sexy voice. Mm. And and then I will go. Oh, okay, Google. What's my um, what's my first appointment today? It'll say your first appointment is at ten a.m. So it because, reads this out loud to you. Oh yeah, that's what it does. That's it what it does. Doesn't just print and then it up I go, on the well, screen. Okay, Google, play radio live, and it goes playing radio live. And radio, lo and, and behold, radio, radio burst into life. Radio live comes streaming down the pipes. Oh, okay, okay, Google, play me some Beatles. Or more specifically, play me Abbey Road. And it does. I That's will, very cool. It is transformational. So this is voice-activated input-output for your 
IT system, whatever your IT system well, is in the background? It is or itself. It is, it's, it's just, just a thing. thing. It's, it's a, stand- it's anything, a standalone it thing. It connects to my Wi-Fi. Oh. It gets its music from my Spotify account. So at some point through its app, I've got to you know tell me tell my, it, my Spotify details. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it also works as Google. So if I say you know uh, uh, okay Google, you know who was the first person up Mount Everest? Off it'll it tell me. Yeah. It'll tell me the story from Wikipedia. If I want to know where a good pub is nearby, it'll tell me that. And you don't have to phrase everything in a strange and um, artificial way, the way you do when you're searching for certain things. It's just natural recognition. Honestly, I shout at this thing from across the room asking it questions, yep. and, and it, it, it answers me. And quite elegantly, it'll be playing some music, it'll hush for a minute while the music goes in the background. Oh, it'll nice, it'll, it'll nice. answer I the question. I do like a good interface. It's really, really nice. <clears throat> Not officially available in New Zealand, and mm. um, official suppliers won't ship it, but there are people all over eBay. But for, you know who, a guy who... No, no, yeah. just just look on eBay for about 199 US. Oh, okay. Totally worth too it. Bad. I will never touch the iPad that I play music from again. Oh, is that I'll right? I'll never use my internet radio again. It is transformational. Uh, it's, called, it's called Google Home. It's the best $199 US I have spent on tech in a very long time. Hey, that brings us to the end of the show, Paul. So that was that, quick. It was very quick. Thank you so much for coming in and, and taking an hour out of your weekend. Uh, thank you very much to my friend Jordan Carter from Internet New Zealand. Now you know who runs the internet. It's him. Paul Brislin, of course, and my... Dream Team, technical producers Brayden Leggett and Dean Young. Graham Hill is up next with a weekend variety wireless. I never miss that on a Sunday night. I'm Vaughan Davis. I will be here next week. Looking forward to it already. Nighty night.